This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Nick Parker talks about the Mass. It's not what you get out of it. What is it about? When we receive Jesus, why would people not come to Mass? What is the purpose of Mass? Well, let's find out. Here's Father Nick Parker. Now, this is a miracle of Jesus that must have absolutely captivated the early Christian community. And we know this because it is the only miracle to appear in all four of the Gospels. Uh, Other miracles of Jesus, different miracles of healing that he did, um, you can find them in particular Gospels. Uh, Sometimes they are in multiple Gospels. But this is the only miracle in all four of the Gospels. So with that, I know that many people are familiar with the story. We, We hear it somewhat regularly in the liturgy. But I think it's good to begin with reading it once again, because it is just a a fantastic story, uh, full of images, full of meaning. Now, I mentioned it's in all four of the Gospels. Today, I'm going to be reading it from the Gospel of John. So here it is, John chapter 6, starts right away with verse 1. After this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee of Tiberias. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs he was performing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish feast of Passover was near. When Jesus raised his eyes and saw that a large crowd was coming to him, he said to Philip, Where can we buy enough food for them to eat? He said this to test him, because he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred days' wages worth of food would not be enough for each of them to have a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good are these for so many? Jesus said, Have the people recline. Now there was a great deal of grass in that place, so the men reclined, about five thousand in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were reclining, and also as much of the fish as they wanted. When they had had their fill, he said to his disciples, Gather the fragments left over, so that nothing will be wasted. So they collected them, and filled twelve wicker baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves that had been more than they could eat. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, This is truly the prophet, the one who is to come into the world. Since Jesus knew that they were going to come and carry him off to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain alone. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so there's our story told from the Gospel of John. Now, with this, there are a number of interpretations of this story. There's one in particular that became popular a number of decades ago. It's an interpretation that I call the stone soup interpretation. Uh, Some people might be familiar with the old story of stone soup. If you're not, we will do a recap. Uh, It's a story about these travelers that come to a village, and the travelers are hungry, so they ask the villagers if they have any food. And every villager says, no, we don't have anything, go away. So they say, well, if the whole town 
claims to not have any food, we're going to make stone soup. And so they, they get the villagers out and they say, well, we're going to feed you with this feast of stone soup. And basically, you just take some stones, you put it in the bottom of a kettle, pour water in it, and heat it up. And there you have it. And after they're done doing this, they say, you know, this is really good stone soup, but it'd be really good if we had maybe some carrots. And one villager says, well, I have some carrots. And so they add carrots to the pot. And they say, okay, well, this is really good, but it'd also be even better if we had some onions. And another villager says, well, I have some onions. And they uh, bring those and they add those to the pot and so on and so forth. They say, it'd be great if we had some potatoes or maybe some corn or maybe if, even if we had some meat. And, and bit by bit, all the villagers add to the pot until they're able to have this great big fancy feast of this excellent stew. And because all the villagers shared what they had, everyone was fed. Well, this sort of concept was applied to this gospel passage, actually, where Jesus said, how can we feed these people to test them? And they came forward and said, well, we have a boy here. He has five loaves and two fish. So Jesus says, okay, we'll have everyone recline. And he blesses the food and starts to distribute it. And as he distributes it, people say, well, actually, I brought a couple of loaves. I can share what I have as well. And others say, well, I actually brought an extra fish. Maybe I can share this as well. And bit by bit, it wasn't just the boy who had five loaves and two fish. Everybody had brought something to eat. And because everybody shared, there was an overabundance of food. Everyone got to eat as much as they wanted, and they even had 12 wicker baskets of fragments left over. Now, once again, this is an interpretation that came out a number of decades ago, and it was one of those very endearing things. People loved this interpretation. And even today, people will hear this and they'll say, well, isn't that amazing? Isn't that heartwarming? Isn't that inspiring? how everybody was able to contribute, and then everyone had more than enough. As kind and heartwarming as this interpretation is, it's absolutely horrible, and I think we need to understand that it's a terrible interpretation. I bring it up because it is out there. It's good for us to know that it's out there, but it's good for us to know that we should not accept it. The reason why we shouldn't accept it is because it, in essence, denies the miracle. Uh, it denies the divinity of Jesus. It denies the mystery of it all. Jesus is God. He has the ability to multiply the gifts, and we should not take that away from Christ. So we need to accept that, yes, this is truly a wondrous thing that happened, that Jesus truly is God, he truly is divine, and he truly performed this miracle. Not to mention that I doubt that people were so impressed by their own sharing that they made this the miracle that they put in all for the Gospels. Um, people are impressed by what Christ does, not by their own ability to share. So don't worry about that interpretation. Know that it's there, but we're going to go on to a truly interpretation of, of Christ's true divinity. So. With that, we're going to delve a little bit deeper now into the Gospel of John, that story that we read. Now, the different Gospels will have different details. One of the details that you'll find in the Gospel of John that you won't find in the other Gospels is that 
John actually specifies the timing in which this event happened. When did this event happen? He says specifically that it was during the time of Passover.、Uh, it says in the gospel, the Jewish feast of Passover was near. Now, John always throws in these interesting details、uh, that are very significant, and so we have to ask ourselves the question: Why was this so important? Well, it's important because the Jewish feast of Passover was the most important celebration of the year. Now, take just that bit of information and compare it to our celebrations during the year for a minute, because we have a lot of holidays ourselves that we celebrate, like Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter,、uh, times when families will get together and. When the families get together and and all the friends and everyone involved, it's kind of inevitable that they're going to begin to reminisce with stories from the past. But when they do, they don't just remember any time in the past. They remember specifically those events that happened on previous holidays. So, for example. When it's Christmas time, people will say, "Well, you remember last Christmas when when the dogs got into the presents, and or during the time of Thanksgiving,、uh, you'll hear, 'Remember Thanksgiving four years ago when when John burned the turkey,' or you'll hear during the time of Easter, 'You remember Easter twenty years ago when Janet, who was only two at the time, tried to eat one of the Easter eggs, shell and all.' Well." You know, these are kind of the stories that that we like to share, the things that we remember. Well, Jesus, his timing is impeccable. In fact, we can guarantee that it was planned. You see, Jesus knew that years later, after he had instituted the new Passover, the Eucharist, his disciples would also reminisce about Passovers of the past, and they would say to themselves. Remember years ago, that Passover, when we were by the Sea of Galilee with that really large crowd, how Jesus, just like he did at the Last Supper, took bread, how he gave thanks, how he gave it to his disciples, and through this he was able to feed an entire multitude. And then his disciples would go on to say, "Now think of how we, whenever we celebrate our new Passover meal, whenever we celebrate the Mass, we perform the same actions, and in fact, we even use those same words of taking bread, giving thanks, giving it to the disciples, and we still now with the Eucharist." Are able to feed the entire multitude. We're still feeding the followers of Christ. See with that how Jesus's timing emphasizes all the more this incredibly deep connection between this miracle and the Eucharist. And in fact, the next time you're at Mass, pay really close attention to those words, to to the words that are occurring during the Eucharistic prayer. Because you'll still hear those same words, you'll still witness this 
miracle of Christ himself feeding the multitude. It's, it's really amazing when you really tune in and focus in on, on what happens there. But with that, now that we've seen that there's a deep connection between this story and the Eucharist, I'd like to go back to how this miracle began. How did the miracle of the multiplication of loaves and fish begin? Well, it began with an offering. It began with the five loaves and the two fish. Now, this element of an offering is incredibly crucial to our understanding. You see, I sometimes think that we as a church have done a great disservice to the people of God because we often have unfortunately mistaught the true purpose of the Mass. You see, when we try to teach people why they should come to Mass, we oftentimes encourage them by telling them all about what they get out of it. So we tell them, well, you get to learn about your faith. You, you get to hear the scriptures and you get to hear a homily and, and you get to, to learn so much when you go to Mass. Or you get to meet friends and you get to be among a community. You get to belong to this, this great group of people. Or they'll say, you get to be nourished. You get to be fed. You get to be rejuvenated to take on all that is going to happen throughout the next week. Or you get to receive all sorts of other graces that that help you in your life. And one of the things that I think is absolutely true, we do get to receive the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. His body, blood, soul, and divinity is truly there. Now, I'll get to that in a bit. Um, We'll get to that particularly in the end. But otherwise, look at how we encourage people to come to Mass. Look at how we are telling them why they should come to Mass. We oftentimes focus on what we get. We get, we get, we get. Now, all of these things, they're actually, they're good. But in reality, they're secondary. They're not the actual primary reason why we should come to Mass. And in fact, if we are coming to Mass because of what we get out of it, we're unfortunately going to Mass for the wrong reason. That's not the true purpose of the Mass. The true purpose of the Mass is not to get, but it is to give. Specifically, the purpose of the Mass is to give praise and thanks to God. And like in the gospel of the multiplication of loaves and fish, the mindset that we should have at the beginning of this miracle is one of offering. Now, I think it's incredibly important to see why we need to do this. Because look at it from the standpoint of what happens when we get this confused. What happens when we start teaching that the purpose of Mass is about what we get out of it. Well, what happens all of a sudden then when people don't feel like they are getting anything out of it anymore? What happens when the readings that they've heard are the same readings that they have heard over and over and over again? And what happens if the priest really 
doesn't have anything new or insightful to say. So you're not really getting anything out of the homily anymore either. Or what happens when all of a sudden coming to Mass seems like it's a real burden? It's a hassle to get up early in the morning. It's a hassle to get everyone around. Uh, you're struggling with, with family and with kids and with all the other activities that are going on because you have all these other activities that are going on over the weekend. Um, you have work and you have other activities. And therefore, fitting mass in the middle is stressful. It's not rejuvenating. It becomes incredibly difficult. And the only thing that you get out of it, if you get anything out of it at all, is just more frustration than anything else. And with that, you yourself go to Mass, and it's just so difficult to concentrate on what's happening just because of everything else that is going on in your life. You see, these are actual real experiences. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that these are real experiences. But if people have the wrong mindset about the Mass, if they think that they are supposed to be getting certain things out of it, and they just aren't experiencing that anymore then all of a sudden it becomes very easy to turn to other things. I can go ahead and just sleep in instead of getting up early. I can just stay home. Maybe I'll pray and read scripture on my own in a place where I really can just relax and focus on it. Maybe then later on I'll, I'll spend time with a community of my own, with, with my own friends, with my own family, with people I know then maybe I'll relax a little bit more, maybe I'll watch television, or maybe I'll just skip all of that and go off and travel and maybe participate in other sports or other ac extracurricular activities. You see, if I don't feel like I'm getting out of Mass what I have been told I should be getting out of Mass, well then I'll find my rejuvenation and my joy and my relaxation somewhere else. And you see, when we confuse the true purpose of Mass, then when people stop coming because they don't think they are getting out of it what they should, it's really hard to argue against that mentality. It's really hard to argue against that motive because their motive for not coming is the motive that we've been teaching them of the reasons why they should come. And because we've been misteaching people what the true purpose of the Mass is, when people stop coming, well, we kind of have to share a bit of that blame. That's why I think it's so important that we return to the true primary purpose of the Mass. That the true purpose of the Mass is not to get. The true purpose of the Mass is to give. We are called to specifically give praise and thanks to God, and we are to give our Lord an offering. That's what's so significant about those five loaves and two fish in our gospel. Now, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a little bit of a break. So listen to the, um, the promotions from our different sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to take a little bit of a closer look at what that offering should look like. Um, look more closely at what that five loaves and two fish in our gospel signify. So with that, we will take a quick break and we will be back in just a little bit. 
right, we're back, and we are discussing the story of the multiplication of the loaves and the fish, offering a bit of a, a commentary on this great miracle of Jesus. Now, in our first half, we talked about how this, this miracle is truly a divine miracle of Jesus, that we need to hold on to this, this great miracle. We also talked about how there's a deep connection between this miracle and the Mass, and the Eucharist. And then we looked at how the miracle began, that the miracle began with an offering of the five loaves and the two fish. Now, with that, we said that the true purpose of the Mass, that this very much helps us to understand the true purpose of the Mass, that oftentimes we come to Mass, but we've been mistaught what the purpose is. We've been taught that we should come to Mass because of what we get out of it. But we discussed about how dangerous this misteaching is and that the true purpose of the Mass, our true mindset, should not be one of what do I get, but rather it should be one of offering. Just like the miracle of the multiplication of loaves and fish, it begins with an offering. And that's the mindset we should have as well. So with that, we're going to look a little bit more closely as to what this offering really is. That way we can hopefully have a better mindset of how we should enter into Mass as well. Now, with this offering, the five loaves and two fish in the Gospels have been interpreted in a number of different ways as well. I would say there are two primary ways in which this offering has been interpreted. The first way is that looking at the five loaves and two fish, this seems to be very simple, uh, an incredibly small offering. And therefore, people have looked at this and said, well, when it comes to offering what you have to God, the five loaves and two fish, that, that wasn't a lot. So you don't really have to offer a lot to God for him to be able to multiply your gifts. You just have to offer a little bit. You just have to give him something. And he can take that little bit of something and he can then multiply it to an abundance. Now, there is some real truth to this. And I think that, you know, there is some good in, in saying, well, just offer something. At the same time, I think that this can also be a bit of a dangerous interpretation because sometimes people will listen to this and they'll say, well, if I just have to offer him a little bit, well, then that's what I'll do. I'll just offer Jesus a little bit. So in the morning then, when I wake up, I might offer him a, a quick little prayer and then Maybe I'll offer him a, a, a couple minutes at the end of my day. And then when it comes to being kind to others, yeah, I'll offer to Jesus maybe maybe an act of kindness a day. You know, I can do my, my daily one act of kindness. And then when it comes even to the Mass, yeah, I can offer God a little bit, um, which means that, hey, I, I come to Mass on occasion. I, I come maybe once a month or once every other month or, or you know, on, on, on the times that I feel like it because all I have to offer God is a little bit. 
you see how that interpretation can really sort of get twisted, how it can sort of become distorted. And in essence, then, it can lead to a life of what is in reality a life of mediocrity in the faith. Therefore, I think we need to actually read that offering again. Now, I said in the first half that this gospel story of the multiplication of loaves and fish can be found in all four of the gospels. We read it initially from the gospel of John, but now I'd like to turn to the gospel of Matthew because there's an interesting line that is used in the gospel of Matthew when they talk about the loaves and fish. They say, five loaves and two fish are all we have here. You see, with that line, five loaves and two fish are all we have here. Oftentimes people get focused on the smallness of the five loaves and two fish, but I think a better way to focus on this is on the latter part of that phrase. Five loaves and two fish are all we have here. That's our goal. Our goal is to offer all we have, not just being satisfied with a little bit, but really striving to give our entire selves to God. So yes, when we wake up in the morning, don't give up those simple prayers in the morning and those few minutes of prayer in the evening before you go to bed. That's great. But can we add more to that? Can we find some significant time every day in prayer? I believe it was St. Francis de Sales who said something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing, um, so, so look this up, but he said, everyone should spend a half an hour in prayer every day unless that person is busy. That person should pray for an hour. Um, it, it sounds interesting. It sounds odd, but it's very true. The more we have going on in our lives, the more we need to go to the source of grace for our lives, the more we need that time in prayer. And then as you go through the tasks of your day, even the menial tasks of, you know, the waking up in the morning, the getting around for work, uh, the going to work, the showing kindness to everyone around you throughout the day, the going home in the evening, spending time with family and friends. Can we, in a way, offer all of that to God as well? And then when it comes to Mass, can we make sure that we are doing our best to go to Mass every single Sunday, with few exceptions when we go more during Holy Days of Obligation? Or can we even find ways to go to daily Masses on occasion? How can we make sure that our entire lives are given to God? And true, it might be times when we look at our lives and we say, well, it seems like I don't have a lot to offer. Uh, it seems like I live a very simple life, a very small life. It seems like my life really is like those five loaves and two fish, that it's not much. That's okay. There's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, there's something beautiful about someone realizing that and still offering all we have here. 
that's really the mindset we need to, to strive for. It's the ideal. It's difficult to get there. But that's the goal, to take what we have and offer all we have. With that, let's look a little bit more closely and applying this specifically to the Mass. Because we did say that our mindset when we come to Mass is to offer ourselves to God. That it's not to get, but it is to give. Specifically, we give praise and thanks to God and we give him an offering. So we give praise and thanks to God. Let's start by giving praise. We praise God simply for God. We praise him for who he is. So we come to Mass just with our eyes fixed on God, and we praise his power, we praise his might, we praise his majesty, we praise his creation, we praise him for all he is as God. So that's how we give praise. And then we give thanks to God. We give thanks to God for all that he has given. Once again, not seeking to get, but for all that he has given. So we give thanks to God for his great love for us, for his great mercy for us. We give thanks to him for his gifts. We give thanks to him for his blessings. We give thanks to him for his son, Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God simply because God has allowed us to be at the Mass. All of these things allow us to give thanks to God. So we give him praise, we give him thanks, and then we give him an offering of ourselves. And we dedicate then our entire selves to God at the Mass. And so we dedicate and offer all of our joys, our joys including our friends and our family and all the times that the Lord has allowed us to relax in our leisure time and, and the times that we've been able to just bask in his blessings. All of those joys, we give them to God. We give to God our works, the mundane works of getting up in the morning, of you know, getting around for the day, of going to work, of you know, getting through the day and, and then coming home in the evening. We bring all of that with us as well. We offer to God our sufferings and our struggles as well. Our struggles maybe at home, our struggles at the job, the sacrifices we've made for other people, even how we've had to push through our own personal trials and, and tribulations. We take this and we, we just offer all of that to God as well. And we also offer to God all the prayers and devotions that we've kind of been building up throughout the week. With that, it's incredibly important that we do have a solid prayer life, that we do have some good devotions that we do on a daily basis, um, some sort of prayer that we, that we have every day. You know, it's kind of interesting that a lot of people that don't feel like they're really able to put themselves into the Mass it's good for them to stop and ask themselves, well, what am I putting into my spiritual life throughout the week? 
Because granted, there will be times of dryness where, you know, people who have very deep spiritual lives are, are just not having a, a full experience like they normally do. That's okay. But a lot of the time, people who aren't really able to fully experience their participation in the Mass, it's because they haven't really been able to build up that spiritual life through the week. If we're not really good at building up that spiritual life during the week, what makes us think that we'll have a strong spiritual life once a week on Sundays? Therefore, we need to build up those prayers, build up those devotions, so that we have more of ourselves to offer when we come to the Sunday liturgy. So just like that story of the multiplication of loaves and fish, we take all of these things, we take everything, we don't worry about how great or small it is, and we give it to the Lord. We, we give it to God. We then are able to give him praise and thanks. We're able to offer ourselves to him. And just like the beginning of that miracle of loaves and fish, that's how Christ takes that offering and he's able to multiply it. That's really what we are called to do. Now, I also mentioned in the first half that the purpose of Mass is not to get, but it is to give. But I also mentioned specifically that we do get to receive the Eucharist. And it's true, we do get to receive Christ in this great sacrament when we come to Mass. Um, I would like to focus on this a bit now. Because there really is no greater gift. You can never ask for a greater gift than Jesus himself, his body, blood, soul, and divinity, his, his true presence in the Eucharist. But even with this great gift, I think it's good for us to ask ourselves, how do we approach Christ in the Eucharist? Do we approach the Eucharist because we wish to get Jesus? Or do we approach the Eucharist because we have come to give ourselves completely to Jesus? Now, that's something that's really good to take to prayer. And I would encourage you to take that to prayer. How am I approaching the Eucharist? Am I approaching it because I want to get Christ? Or am I approaching it because I want to give myself to Christ? Now, just a little bit of a hint as to where that prayer should lead. Hopefully, the answer is both. We do want both to happen. We want to both receive Christ and we want to give ourselves completely to the Lord. But one of the things that I think is very key is that it is only when we are willing to give ourselves to Christ that we will be able to more fully experience his graces as he gives himself to us in the Eucharist. And I really think that's important in our spiritual lives. That is only when we are willing to give ourselves to Christ that we will more fully be able to experience his graces as he gives himself to us in the Eucharist. Kind of looking at this concept as a whole, uh, kind, of, kind of looking at it more generally, this really is the great paradox of our faith. It's the great paradox of our spiritual life as a whole. And it's especially the paradox of the Mass, that the more we seek to get, the more, in fact, we actually lose. 
go through the scriptures. Go through a lot of those great parables of, of Jesus. And, and you'll find that that's just a recurring theme. That The more we strive to get, the more we in fact lose. But the more we are willing to give of ourselves, the more God will be able then to take those gifts and multiply them. That's where the mindset is. The more we are willing to give ourselves to the Lord, the more he will be able to take our gifts and multiply them. But the thing is, we have to stay focused. We always have to stay focused on what that true intent is. As soon as we start getting distracted as to, well, what am I getting out of this? The more it becomes a little bit of a self-defeating process. It's not really going to be very helpful or, or healthy in our spiritual lives. It's really about that offering of ourselves, and it's when we offer of ourselves that we receive. Think of that great prayer that's attributed to St. Francis. It is in giving of ourselves that we receive. That's really the mindset that I would encourage everyone to have when we come to Mass. Maybe then we can spend some time, once again in our prayers, just kind of focusing on this, just kind of meditating on this, pairing ourselves every week to come and enter into the Mass. And before we even set foot through the church doors, really think, what am I bringing to God today? How am I prepared to give praise for who he is? How am I ready to give thanks for what he has done? How am I willing to offer myself to the Lord and all that he has, all that I've experienced in my life? And as we come to the Mass to give ourselves to God, hopefully we will find that he is able to take our gift and multiply it all the more. Hopefully it will give even greater meaning to the Mass. It will give a greater experience of what the liturgical celebration is all about. And even in the times when we don't feel like we're getting anything out of the Mass, we'll realize that that's okay, because that's not why we've come anyways. We've simply come to offer ourselves to the Lord. And through this, hopefully we can experience all the more the grandeur of this great liturgy that we are blessed to celebrate every Sunday. So I hope that this has been a a fruitful reflection, a fruitful commentary. The multiplication is, is truly a great mystery. It's one that we have the blessing of delving into every time we enter into the liturgy. So take care, everyone, and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. Folks, heaven is not seen, and neither are these airwaves. But if you can help save souls for heaven, please go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate, where your donation will be seen and appreciated. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 101.7 KJDM Lindsberg Salina, 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 88.1 KVDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.